Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded podcast. I'm Matt Sainsbury. I'm the editor-in-chief of DigitallyDownloaded.net. And with me this week, we have Trent. Hello, Trent. How are you doing? Hello. Uh, somewhat good. I've got half an orange juice left. <laughs> A bit sick today. <laughs> oh, okay. Keep keep up the vitamin C. Um, we got Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Good morning, everyone. And we have... Jay from JRPG, the YouTube channel. He's been on the podcast a couple of times before, and we've got him this week because we've got a lot of JRPG stuff to talk about. Hello, Jay. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. It's a it's a good week. We've got Shining Resonance and Octopath, and all the good JRPGs of the month have come out at once, and we'll talk about those a bit later on through the podcast. Before we get to our customary Hatsune Miku to kick things off, uh, a couple of little bits of news that might be interest to people. Firstly, uh, Yakuza 2 Kiwami demo is now live on the PlayStation 4 and stuff. If you haven't had that out and you missed the news, go and grab it because that's an exciting release from Sega coming up. And I know everybody on the podcast is looking forward to that one, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be good. That's um, I haven't played Yakuza 2, but from what I've heard, the Kiwami, or sorry, the, that game is a lot of people's favorite from the entire series. So if it can top Yakuza 0, I will be very happy indeed. Um, and then the other bit of news is if you're in Australia, don't forget to pick up your tickets to Smash, which happens next weekend. Is that hey, right, Harvard? Definitely. <laughs> Come and see Yokotaro. He may or may not be wearing his moon face. <laughs> yes, Yokotaro is kind of the headline guest. I guess the video game fans at Smash. Smash is um, for international listeners. Smash is probably the biggest and the best uh, Australian convention that's focused entirely on Japan and Japanese entertainment and anime and stuff. And it's always a really good show. Um, I've been along for quite a few years now and love it. And Harvard loved it so much, he actually ended up uh, working on the team that produces it. So, yeah, it's um, it's a good event. and. Definitely make sure you head along to it next weekend in the heart of Sydney, the convention center. That's right, isn't it? Yep, uh, ICC convention center. The online ticket sales have closed, but you can buy at the door when you head there. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, save your pennies and make sure you come along uh, at the weekend. All right, so we'll go listen to some Hatsune Miku music. And I uh, haven't chosen which track yet, but we'll add that in in editing, obviously. Uh, we'll come back and we'll start talking about anime games.
Welcome back, everybody. I hope that Mickey Music puts you in a good mood because, yeah, it's a great day. The first thing that we'll talk about this week is actually Anime Expo, or AX, which is a big event that's held over in America. And for some reason, or I, I guess for a pretty good reason, a lot of Japanese developers, or publishers anyway, uh, use that event as an opportunity to make some big announcements. Even though E3 just came and went, a lot of the smaller niche publishers uh, of Japanese games was that that show is hard to get the media's attention. So rather than try and compete with the big guys at E3, they instead focus their energies on their audience and making sure that they make a big splash at Anime Expo. So this year, especially Spike Chunsoft and Nippon Ichi were there in force and made some really cool announcements, some really exciting stuff coming out. Uh, from those two publishers. Um, the first one is, well, we'll talk about Nipponichi first, I think. Um, and the big game that they announced for me was the Caligula Effect, which was uh, an amazing video game that is very memorable for me and probably one of my favorite JRPGs ever. Uh, and it was published by Atlas, but Atlas obviously passed on the PS4 version, which is the one that Nipponichi has picked up. And on top of the PS4 version, they've actually also decided to make a Switch version, which didn't happen in Japan. So that's how much, I guess, Nippon she's really thrown in with this game. They're, they're pretty big things from it. And yeah, it's very exciting. I'm very, very excited. What about you, Jay? I know you played the original Caligula Effect. Would you, are you going to double dip? Are you going to play it again? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll definitely do it. Especially just to, um, even just to show support, but I'll probably play it again, especially on the Switch. Yeah, it's going to be really cool on the Switch. It worked as a hand on the Vita. The Vita itself was a, probably a little bit weak in terms of hardware into, for the ambition that the developers had for the game. It has some issues and all that nonsense that people tend to fixate on, um, but it meant that the experience wasn't quite as good as it could be. So hopefully the, the Switch version will fix that, and I know that the developers have actually gone back to add additional characters, refine the gameplay, and hopefully fix some of the issues that people had, because for me, what that game was all about was the narrative. Uh, it was a really, really good narrative-driven JRPG. So if people can focus on that rather than the gameplay, I think it'll do better this time around because it was a bit of a bomb, unfortunately, um, when it was released on the Vita because nobody has Vita in the West. Yeah, nobody has one over here, and it's yeah. there was no advertising or marketing for it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it kind of landed and died, unfortunately. Like I, said, I think it, it came out at the same time as a bunch of other stuff too. It's uh, I don't know when if you're going to release a niche game with no marketing, at least don't do it in proximity to like four other big notable releases. Yeah, I swear yeah. it was like a week off, oh, several weeks after Persona Five, and everyone's still playing that. And then a week later, Xana, Tokyo Xanadu EX came out on the Vita as well. And it's just you get Persona style game overload. That's the thing, because uh, Caligular Effect is very heavily influenced by Persona in terms of, I, I guess, the way it does its story and stuff. And like Harvard said, in addition to Persona 5 being released just before Caligular Effect and Xanadu being released just after, there was also um, Akiba's Beat, which was another niche game that used the Persona storytelling approach. So there were all these games that followed a very same and, you know, you just... That was just stupid timing on behalf of everybody, frankly. They should yeah, I remember having to overload at the time. Like, I had my release list out. I was like, how am I going to play, like, 17 games in the next four weeks? 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but if you're looking at getting a taste of uh, Caligula effects, there is the anime, which is actually on Crunchyroll at the moment, and it's not actually a retelling of the... Uh, an exact retelling of the uh, video game story. So you can watch it and have a pretty spoiler-free, I guess, experience when you come to play the, the game as well. And it'll give you a sense of the kind of thing that they're aiming at. It's a really good anime, actually. Um, what about you two, Trent and Harvard? Now that Calligraphics is coming out on a platform that you kind of use, <laughs> the Switch, especially you, Trent, um, would you be interested in having a look at this time around? Is my endless hype for this game enough to convince you to, to put it on your radar? Most likely, um, especially it's on the Switch now, I'll probably pick up a lot of games which launched on the Vita, which I missed out on. Um, so that's a big benefit there. But uh, the way you were describing that it plays similar to Persona, you know, that's probably, you know, in terms of the storytelling, that would, you know, probably on my radar anyway, or it should be. Um, so so it's sort of, sort of a type of game which I'll probably pick up now that's getting a more mainstream release on a platform which I'm going to actually use. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, what else is Nipponichi has also announced RPG Maker for consoles, uh, RPG Maker MV, which is obviously already available on PC. But you'll be able to grab the uh, grab the thing on Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. And for people that don't want to buy the game, the uh, the bonus is that there will also be a free app that you can download for those consoles that lets you play other people's created games. So effectively, you'll have an unlimited supply of 16-bit uh, style RPGs uh, as of next year, which is really neat. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I enjoyed playing around with RPG Maker on the 3DS, even though I already have all the RPG Makers on PC. I don't know. There's something about messing around with the stuff on a console, which is just enjoyable. And you can do it on the train and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. So... That's um, those are probably the major ones for Nipponichi. Uh, anything else that they announced that you've got on your radar, Jay? I don't think so. I think that was about it um, that I can remember. I did miss a couple of things, but there were so many announcements yesterday. <laughs> there were. I mean, they. I know they also put new trailers out and did character announcements for stuff like Disgaea One, complete. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm. I'm like. I don't. I never finish a Disgaea game, but I play them a lot, so I'm looking forward to it. I don't think anybody can finish a Disgaea game. I don't think it's possible. I think, you know, the, there's just not enough hours in a person's life to finish a Disgaea game properly. Yeah, I'm never going to reach that level cap. <laughs> 9,900, or is it 99,000? No, 9,999. That ridiculous yeah. level cap. Harvard, have you ever played a Disgaea game? Um, no, I've played the demo of five on the Switch, but I... I've heard the reputation that it takes like lifetimes to finish, and I just not really jumped into it. <laughs> Would you consider playing the the new one, like the the very original Disgaea, as it is remastered in in HD for Switch? Would that be something that'll entice you? You know what's interesting to me is that penguin character they always have, and it just pops up everywhere in popular culture. I just want to know <laughs> what to deal with that penguin. That's that's Prinny. all I want to play Disgaea for. Yeah, it's everywhere. Prinnies, prinnies. They're they're basically like little evil demon things but they're also useless effectively um they're like the the, the slime of uh dragon quest is probably the best way to put it they're also do you fight them no they're on your side because you fight you evil in oh this uh, okay that's, that's okay i would feel sad if you <laughs> yes, like fighting evil, would just be wrong 
well, the other side has pretties too, so it's there's often a pretty versus pretty thing. But uh, yeah, it's they're basically very disposable, useless, weak enemies. And I mean, <laughs> part part of the joke is you can pick them up and throw them, and they explode, and that kills. Them. Generally, take something out with them, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they're, they're the comic relief character more than anything else. But mm. they're definitely the mascot. They've become the mascot of Nipponichi because um, they've been so popular, and Disco has been, I guess, the major franchise for. Nipponichi for a long time now. Uh, okay, so moving over to Spike Chunsoft. I think I'll let you talk about this one a bit more, Jay, because you're probably a little bit more across it than I am, or at least you remember the name of these titles because I can't. Um, they've got a couple of visuals that they announced, which are pretty exciting, actually. Yeah, AI The Somnium Files from the director of Zero Escape and the character designer of Fire Emblem Awakening. So... That looks pretty good. That's coming to PS4 and Switch and Steam. Um, it should be good. I mean, the same guy who did Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, and Punchline. Oh, and But with a good artist this time. Yeah, but with a good artist. So uh, it, should, yeah, I, it should be really good. Um, there was the other one that I think you are more abreast of than I am with the name that goes on for 8 million years. There's no way I haven't got it in front of me. There's no way I'll remember it. It's a ridiculously long name. Um, but, I, I mean, if anybody wants to go and quickly pull it up and tell me, that would be great. Right, uh, so but a girl who chants love at the bounds of this world. What was that, Trent? Is it Yuno? Yeah, Yuno. What's what's the full? Yes. yes. So a girl, with, a girl who chants love at the bound of this world. There you go. A girl who chants love at the bound of this world. Look, it doesn't make any sense. It's a terrible title. But this is apparently <laughs> a, a really good um, visual novel, and it's actually 22 years old this year. It was originally released way back in 1996, and is generally credited to be one of the formative, um, formative, sorry, formative uh, well, visual quick, novels. Quick correction, Matt. It's apparently a remake of the original 1998 PC and Sega Saturn version. Yes, so it was remade in 1998. The original version of it was 1996. Uh, yeah, and now we're getting another remake. And now we're actually getting a, a release in English for the first time uh, because visual novels took a while, to, a while to take off in the West and for the longest time, Japanese publishers did not think that there was an appetite for them in the West. And then I think games like Steinsgate and Hakuoki kind of proved that there is a market for it. And now, of course, we get a flood of them and we get like 20 of them released on Steam every week and the Switch is just inundated with really terrible ones from D3 Publisher and stuff. Uh, all of that started because of those games, but a lot of the real old classics like blah, 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 um, they they have stayed untranslated. So Spike Chunsoft has obviously decided to, to grab this one, which is really neat. I'm really looking forward to that. And um, I don't know, Harvard, you play, you've played a fair few visual novels. Is this one that you would play? Um, I'm not too well versed with you know, but I do know that the, there's a reputation for old school visual novels to be very problematic. Like the way they're designed, they shove in all these spreadsheet mechanics to try and get you to the good ending. And it's always kind of turned me off from the old school kind of games because I don't really want to think too much about whether my choices are going to increase my relationship values or whatever. But I might, I might pick it up. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, we don't really, because there have been so few of those really old school visual novels that have been released, we uh, in the West haven't really had a chance to get a sense for 
for what these games were about and you know the how things got started with the genre it's kind of like um it, it's kind of like if you were to if there were no JPEGs to have been released in the west on the on the NES and Super NES going back to Final Fantasy 1 now how would we kind of interpret it so I'm really looking forward to it from a historical point of view if nothing else it might play terribly I don't know I don't think I really care as long as it's interesting and it tells me something about how the vision novel genre got started I'll I've certainly been keen on it. And I um, I knew that, speaking of visual novels, that Spike Chunsoft announced more stuff because they also announced 428 Shibuya Scramble. I saw that. What the hell is that? So it's like a visual novel mixed with, like, AMV. It's like a visual novel mixed with live action. Or, like, FMV. Yeah. But, what's but it's the- also a visual novel gameplay, so... Yeah, it's I, I I don't know either. I watched a little bit of it, but apparently it's like it's obviously been in Japan before. It'll be the first time releasing in the West. And yeah, it's like a weird FMV slash visual novel game. It looks so strange. There's like this giant cat mascot that fights people. <laughs> the the story involves an ex gang leader, a mascot, kidnapping, and bioterrorism. You see, that could be like really serious or really funny. Yeah, <laughs> you just don't know what it's gonna be. It's got a cat mascot. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Spike, I, I knew that Spike Chunsoft announced a bunch of stuff. They got some like other Steinsgate related things. Steinsgate Elite now has a twenty nine release date, and all PS four yeah. copies will come with um one of the other games. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I think that was a pushback, wasn't it? It was originally yeah, planned to be released this year. But um, yeah, probably so, good on their part though, because the later half of this year is too stacked to slide in a visual novel. I think. Yes, yes, that's probably true as well. Um, and Spectrum seems to be relying very heavily on its uh, on its visual novels at the moment. So, yeah, pushing pushing the headline one back a bit probably was for the best. But yes, it's it's good. It's exciting. There's lots of niche stuff coming, which is which is great. All right, so we'll go to some music, I think, from Caligula Effect right now because it has an amazing soundtrack. That's one of the reasons I love the game so much. And we will come back and we will talk Project Octopath.
And welcome back, everybody. I must apologize if uh, you're hearing a little bit of static or feedback from my mic. I seem to be having some tech problems, and hopefully it doesn't keep happening. But if it does, hopefully I still make sense while I'm talking. Anyway, uh, for the second section of the podcast, we're going to talk about one of the two big JRPGs that gets released next next week, and that is Octopath. Octopath Traveler. There we go. I got the name right for a change. I keep calling it Project Octopath because that's what Nintendo let us think it was called for the longest time. So it's been a hard change. It's been a very difficult change to think of it as Octopath Traveler. But that's what it's called. And yes, we can't talk about it in two specific terms because we're under review embargo and nonsense. But we can talk about it in general terms and we can obviously talk about the demo and what we think of it. And I think the best place to start would be to talk about how how absolutely nostalgic it is. It's uh, it's obviously a love letter to the Super NES JRPGs of old, and uh, I think it's pretty successful at capturing that vibe, um, not just in terms of the visuals, but also the way it plays and the way it tells its story, I think is very the feel old school. feel and everything about it. And, I mean, the, the way it looks is amazing like it, they called it 2d hd i think they called the engine and it looks like it just makes you want them to go back and remake every every old style rpg they've ever released in that engine like remaking final fantasy 3 or 4 and 5 and 6 in that engine would just be incredible because it looks amazing yeah it's a good way of doing that retro style where it, it definitely retro and it's meant to be nostalgic for people that played those old games. But at the same time, it looks modern. So it doesn't look like it's you know, a cheap indie game cashing in on the, the retro vibe. Um, it, it looks like a game that belongs in 2018. But yeah, it's one that's, uh, and if you haven't, if you are relatively new to video games and don't have that, nostalgia for old games you'll still be able to appreciate the visual style of this one because it's it's highly aesthetic and very attractive and it suits it, it really suits because um the story is pretty dark <laughs> yeah like, all the stories are pretty pretty dark it's not I, it I, looks I like it's just sold the stories was with the first demo when you played the uh, dancer's story and you knew, oh, wow, this game's going to be crazy. <laughs> it was a very dark story compared to, I think, what, 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 was in the th- what was the other character in the first demo? Because there was only two, wasn't there? The night guy, yeah. yeah. I forgot his name, though. Yeah, yeah, no one remembers the night guy. The dancer story was pretty, yeah, the 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 Primrose's story was pretty pretty brutal, but now that obviously we're playing with all the characters, um, yeah, all the, a lot of the stories are pretty dark in tone, and I think a lot of people probably, excuse me, came to the came to the game in the initial stages thinking it was going to be this, you know, lighthearted JRPG, uh, and didn't realize that it was going to hit you pretty hard. So I think that's that's good, and it's got an interesting structure too because you actually get to. Each character has their own story at the start, and you get to play through each individual story, which gives you a chance to really connect with the character, rather than having them all thrown together as a party in one go. Uh, I think taking the time to do proper introductions for each character is a pretty, pretty impressive move. I think what well, worked for Dragon Age, um, 
what was the first Dragon Age? Dragon Age Origins by Darkwind. And I think a similar thing happens here. And it's quite, it's good. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. A lot of people are a little bit confused about that because there's, I mean, we can only play the first chapter of each character's story at the moment in demos. And people uh, were getting disappointed or something because other characters would show up in these chapters, but there wasn't any real interaction between them. And so it should, yeah, definitely be stressed that the stories intertwine later. The chapter ones that are available for demo right now are meant to, they're like the character's intro, they're like set intros for each character to learn about the character and their story and the way that they are, that they fit in the world. And later on, stories intertwine and things come together. So, I mean, there's a reason they put a three-hour limit on the demo. It's it's so that you would generally just play one or two of these stories. But, of course, people just make a million accounts and play through all of them and assume there's no interaction between characters. But, uh, yeah, that'll come later. Yes, yes. I just found out something great about this game. So... It's being developed in cooperation with Acquire, and I knew them because of um, Way of the Samurai. But it says that Square Enix decided to work with Acquire because of their work on a game for the PSP called Holy Invasion of Privacy Badman. What did I do to deserve this? <laughs> and I need to find this game and play it now. It's just the greatest name I've ever seen for a game. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's. I, I wondered actually how that happened because I don't think Acquire's worked with Square Enix before perhaps they have but oh actually no they probably did um they did they dragon guard 3 i think um yeah actually come was, to, i think they did yeah which was obviously yoko taro um before near and uh near automata and yeah they they so they've obviously got that relationship with square enix but i wonder where this one came from because when you look at it originally you think it's a natural extension of the bravely default um, development team and it certainly plays like that as well it feels like it's it feels very bravely default in uh, the the combat system and stuff so i was yeah I, I was wondering where acquire came in to the picture but they've done a good job i think without giving a review <laughs> have to be very careful have to be very careful about what i say because i obviously have been playing the game for review uh, i've got the full version uh, on my switch now and um I'm past the intro chapter that Jay mentioned. So the characters are starting to meld. And it, it's, yeah, it, I'm really impressed. What about you, Harvard? Uh, is this a game you're going to be picking up straight away? Um, I actually only played the first demo, and I kind of burnt out on it, to be honest. Like, I really respect the, the philosophy behind a game like this, because it reminds me of the old school SNES days of Square Enix when they're just making weird stuff like um, Bahama Lagoon and Live Alive, which really reminds me of this game. And we're seeing that now with Tokyo RPG Factory stuff and with this game, with Bravely Default, um, I like that they're doing that, but at the same time, there's only so many JRPGs I can play in a year before I get burnt out, and I'm kind of at that stage right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a genre that's made a real comeback i think in the last couple of years well not that it ever went away like certain media outlets to argue but it's certainly they just floundered um, in the early days of the playstation 3 i mean by in the last couple of years of playstation 3 they were just back in full swing 
Yeah, and it was kind of tied to the fortune of the PS3. The PS3 itself wasn't selling very well. Uh, the Japanese developers didn't really have anywhere to put their games. So, you know, the there were a few that were dumped on uh, handhelds and stuff. But in terms of the actual big console experience for the JRPG genre, there just wasn't the market for it because the console wasn't there for it. But as the PS3 started to take off and, and really sell well and... Um, uh, the the Vita and the 3DS proved themselves as quality consoles in their own right as well. There was a resurgence, I guess, in development for those games. And we're seeing that continue on through now with the PS4 and Switch. But as a result, there are an awful lot of JRPGs to play, and they are big-time commitments. So you have my sympathies, Harvard, <laughs> that you're, um, <laughs> you, you've, you've kind of had enough of them for now. But it's... it's it's a good time, I think, for Project Octopath Traveler to to be released because this month only has the two major JRPGs. So hopefully, yeah, a lot of it's people a very it slow month in for for games in general. Um, I did a game releases video, where, which I do every month for the things coming out during the month. And July, I had to like fill out July with things like Captain Toad treasure tracker and stuff because it's, it's really it like hey, 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 that's not it is a fill out though i mean we all played on wii u didn't we apart from everybody because nobody owned a wii u yeah, yeah that's exactly right. nobody's up. played toad yet nobody's new, played new maps for like um what do you call that new mario game it has like replacement yeah it's got odyssey yeah. maps yeah and what about what about Go Vacation? Well, that's, kind of, that's a bit more of a filler, but you can't talk. You can't do Captain Toad. I'm sorry, Jay. That's that's not on in this podcast. It's filler for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I only play JRPGs. Well, the good thing about Captain Toad is it's nice and short. You yeah. be able to brush through it in a couple of hours. So that's what can, I mean. It's, can... it's just a very short month for pe- for games in general. I think people um, are going to be wanting to play something meaty this month. And it's probably going to be Octopath for most people. Yes, yes, that's that's probably fair. I think. Um, I know you're going to pick up Trent. Not yes, that you're I the am. world's biggest JRPG fan. I know you haven't, you know, played too many of them. But this one's been. I know you've been talking about this one quite a lot. Yes, yeah, definitely. This has been on my radar. I've got the uh, the limited edition pre-ordered, so I'm all all ready to go with that one. Um, so. Yeah, but, but I played the demo, both demos, and um, in, in the second demo, it definitely showed how it, like, the stories were great in the first, but they were more confined to the chapters, whereas the second demo sort of allowed you to, like, you know, the, basically the whole point of it was you would start your team, so you would go to the next point, start that first chapter, so you'd be able to explore the overworld a little bit more, so it sort of showed how it is a game rather than this is like the story that's great but what is it outside of the first initial chapter so that's what i liked about the second demo it sort of gave you a glimpse into what it could be as well so and also you know you could basically have the freedom to go wherever you want so you could listen to whatever like go and find whatever character you wanted which was great um in, in the end i think i went for the hunter primrose i'm stuck on my basically in the last hour i was stuck on I went for the um the what not the 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 basically the priest or whatever that is 
um not the priest but like the other weird religious thing for whatever that thing is um i i went to them but i i got stuck on like whatever like the mission like the boss battle and it was like way too hard so i like gave up on it <laughs> so i don't know if i might replay the game from scratch when i actually get the full game rather than taking off the save um save game file which will be a feature where you can play what you've already played but yeah De definitely excited for it do you think do you think that people might find it too difficult because one thing i have noticed about it is it's not easy uh it's it's adopted it's not quite as difficult as some of those old old school jrpgs but uh i think people who are less familiar with the genre might find it to be quite challenging well, I found it easy up until the point I decided to go for my third character. So maybe the game, I, you, you've probably experienced this, you know, yourself, but you can't really say much about, but, you know, maybe the other characters are less, some are harder, some are like, not like that initial final approach where they have like the little boss bell in that last end of the chapter. Um, maybe for different characters, it's a little bit easier because um, obviously Primrose, you know, was the second character I went and, you know, I was able to finish that boss battle with ease um, and having that second character was great. Um, occasionally I'd be able to have to heal my party, but, you know, I found that up until the point I went for my third character, actually quite, you know, like challenging, but not really overwhelming. Yeah, that's probably part of it. I, I think maybe the order in which you pick characters is, will have an effect but i i yeah, imagined I that's what they were going for like you know that sort of the artificial difficulty modes where instead of having to pick between easy medium and hard it's like depending on what character you go for that it'll sort of be more difficult or easier yeah yeah and that's why there's no difficulty setting the game you can't actually choose how hard you want it to be which is unusual for a modern JRPG, but I think that's probably it. If people want to challenge, they can pick odd characters um, or ones that are less than ideal. If you want an easier challenge, um, take it from me. When you play the game for the first time, go safe. <laughs> go for go for the obviously safe character choices because um, while you might appreciate or enjoy the story of some of the weirder characters a little bit more, um, you, you might find it a little bit hard. On that note, we'll go to some music from Octopath and uh, come back and talk about the other big JRPG that's released this week and making sure that none of us actually get any sleep because we're trying to plow through all the time to get reviews done.
And we're back, everybody. Okay, so the other big JRPG releasing this week is Shining Resonance Refrain, which comes to us from Sega. And it was originally a PlayStation 3 game from a series that has not been localized in the West for quite a while. And for whatever reason, uh, Sega's decided to localize a HD or PlayStation 4 remaster of that PlayStation 3 game. So... And Switch. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming out on PlayStation 4 and Switch, sorry. You can oh, also so and Xbox it. One and PC. And Xbox One. Ah, there you go. So Xbox it's One everything. owners actually have, actually have a JRPG to play. There you go. Yeah, you should play it, buy it on the Xbox One and be the, the only sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if the Xbox One is exactly the place where JRPG fans go. But anyway, um, it's there, which is good stuff. And yeah, it's an interesting release. I'm not entirely sure why Sega's decided to release it, other than it's a good game. Um, I think by the time this podcast goes live, embargo's lifted. If not, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, but it's a good game. I really enjoyed it. I've given it a good review in the review that you can read um, on the on the digitally downloaded site. And it's just, it's an odd release. <laughs> it, it's it, good, it, but it's, it's weird. Yeah, it, it's it's weird that they decided to, to bring... Shining Resonance back to the West. Oh, sorry, Shining. Shining yeah, the French. Shining series. Yeah, because yeah. I've heard that it's, so it's like in the series, but it's, you know, like very loose. It's like not a real connection to the earlier Shining games that we did actually get, like Shining Force 1 and 2, I think we got. Yes, we had a couple of Shining games, uh, Shining Force 1 and 2. There was a, a couple on the GBA action rpgs i think there was also that dungeon crawler shining in the darkness oh shining in the darkness oh, was that related to this i didn't even know that yes well they're yeah, in they're like the series yeah but they're like they're not really related to each other i think that shining force one and two obviously are it's kind of like final fantasy i guess yeah it's it's a bit like final fantasy in the sense that it all shares the same name without necessarily being related related to one another. Or another example, I guess, you could look at the, the Tales series, Namco Bandai's, Bandai Namco's Tales series, yeah. um, because each, each of those games aren't really related to one another, but they share that same overarching brand. And uh, the reason I mentioned Tales is, in terms of combat, this one actually feels a lot like a Tales game. <laughs> in terms of like everything, it feels like, it. oh, not everything. <laughs> so presentation isn't Tales. Like, but feel and gameplay and like structure, it's very Tales. And that's very good because I love Tales. Yes, yes. It, for me, it's probably a little Tales with a dash of um, blue reflection. Gust. Yeah, no, not so much blue reflection, but more um, Arno Surge and Tanelico from Gust, yeah. which were older RPGs. And the reason I say that is Shining Resonance has this musical theme that runs through it where weapons are musical instruments and uh you know special abilities are tied into a person's musical ability and all that kind of stuff which is a feature that was pretty prominent in the arno surgeon artanelico games from gust so that's where i get i guess i get that uh association yeah, from and now that you say it, it definitely feels like artanelico koga yeah yeah so it, it's an odd game to to reference because I don't think anybody played those games, but um, if you have played those games, you'll you'll probably find some thematic similarities there with this one as well, with with a combat system that's very reminiscent of Tales of whatever, uh, yeah, Tales of whatever, and Eternal Sonata. Even is it's a little bit Eternal Sonata. 
Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, it just you could probably say right, there's a little bit of like Power Rangers. I remember when so they like <laughs> sum, summon a dragon with she like blows into a weapon instrument and a dragon comes out and I thought that is <laughs> <laughs> that is the Green Ranger summoning the Dragon Zord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> that's probably true actually. And um, they even called it the it's is Draco Machina. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> damn it. But I, I guess the one point of difference this game has is um, whether it has the, uh, a certain character artist called Tony Tucker, uh, who contributed, who's basically contributed to the character designs of all the Shining series, uh, and he's he's not so well known, I guess, in in West even amongst JRPG fans because a lot of the, his games haven't been released out here. But he's an amazing. Uh, artist who's especially well known, I guess, for a pin-up style or a fan servicey style. Um, so when I came to play Shining Resonance, I was kind of expecting it to be quite fan servicey in nature, based on the, the the artist that was involved. It's a bit like having you know Sunako uh, involved in a game. You just assume that there's going to be a certain level of fan service involved, and this one doesn't have that. So I found that a bit odd, uh, to be honest. Uh, it seems it's a very clean JRG actually. Yeah, it, it, a big part is, well, not a big part, but there's lots of romance options and like romance events and that sort of thing, but it's definitely not fan servicey. Yeah, those romance events are more character building. Yeah, they're more like yeah, showing the relationship between the characters and how they're growing rather than like, yeah, anime titties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as Harvard was saying, you know, as Harvard was saying off air, it's kind of a bit like Fire Emblem's relationship systems, I guess, in that there's not really any fan servers involved. They just kind of talk and flirt a bit and you can pat yes. their head. If it's, if it's a Japanese version, you can pat their head and then they get married for some reason. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and Jay, have a baby, remember? Jay, you had such a, a pause before you said that. You just need to point that out. You had such a, such a pause and Ginny <laughs> would really appreciate that. <laughs> It was for emphasis. No, I, was actually, I was like, I, was, I did double think. I like, can I say this? No, like, yeah, I can say this. <laughs> so yeah, I found that odd. Uh, you, with a version that you can get on Switch and PS4 and whatever, it actually has all the DLC from the Japanese version on PS3 built in, which, which is includes confuse everyone. <laughs> yes, yes. There's even there's alternative stories that you can select from the start. Don't select the alternative story, select the base story. Uh, but you also get all the, the swimsuits and stuff that were released as DLC costumes, which I guess you can use to fan service it up a bit because, again, it's Tony Tucker and it feels a bit odd that there's not as much fan service in. But um, for people that like their JRPGs a bit cleaner, <laughs> the good news is that you can you can enjoy this one without being too weirded out by it. But still appreciate some very, very well-designed characters. Yes, gorgeous characters. Very, the game in general is quite beautiful, and I find it it's it's a good example of what I've talked about a bit in the past that uh, realism in video games ages, but this anime style doesn't. With you know heavy use of cell shading graphics and all that kind of stuff, this game doesn't look like a PS3 game. It looks like any other kind of um, anime style PlayStation. It looks like Tales of Berseria. Yeah, it looks like Tales. It just or... easily looks as good as Bessaria, which is obviously PlayStation 4. Yeah, or, or any of the games, like any of the Atelier games or 
any of those games, it, it looks exactly the same in terms of its standards as those, which is, again, like I said, proof that sometimes realism is not what you want to go for if you want a game that's a little bit more timeless because this one, I, I, I don't think a lot of people will even know, who, who don't know the background of it, will even think it was, uh, you know, a, a remake. And uh, on that note, let's check in with Harford and Trent. Uh, I know that you two haven't been playing this yet. Jay and I obviously have a review, but is there anything about this game that you find interesting? For me, um, that, that it's being developed by Media Vision, who have been so busy these last few years. They've done like the Digimon game, which was surprisingly great. They did Valkyrie Revolution, Summon Night 6, and they've got a really big history with JRPGs as well. So I respect the company. Again, kind of burnt out, but I might get, I might pick it up. I think I might pick this over Octopath, to be honest, because it seems like a more fluid, like playable game. You definitely don't need to think about it as much, I think, is the thing. It's it's kind of easy to, to sit back and just enjoy it because it, it's more action-based combat system. The whole game kind of flows much quicker. So I don't know exactly how long it is at this stage um, in terms of the, the DLC content. Some of that I haven't explored yet, but there seems but to be a lot in it. It's definitely not going to be as hard as Octopath. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's definitely not going to hit you as hard as the path. It's a lot more lighthearted in terms of the storytelling and stuff. That's for sure. Which means it's easier to play, I guess, um, to why you might want to pick it up over Octopath. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that. And Trent, what about you? Is this something that you'll pick up after, after Octopath or is it a little bit too JRPG for you? Oh, well... Possibly, possibly not. I don't know. Let's look at it this way. I was looking at the pre-order page, and if I pre-order it now, it comes with a metal sip case featuring some character artwork. Yeah, that sounds really. Like I said, they do rely very, they rely very heavily on the character art in these games because it is Tony Tucker, and he's a real draw card, especially in Japan. Um, Japanese anime fans would know definitely know who he is, and would be paying attention to any game that he was involved with on that basis. All right. On that note, we might wrap things up for the podcast this week. Thank you very much for listening in. As always, you've got a lot of JRPGs to play, I guess. We'll be very keen to hear what you think about them, so be sure to drop us a line and uh, tell us which ones you love and which ones you don't. And... Uh, We'll see you at the next podcast. To finish things off, we've got some music from Shining Resonance just to put you in the mood for that game. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for joining, and we will be back next week.
I'm gonna make it.